0: List I-O. Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. We are back here with episode 24. I'm your host Kyle Creasy and I am here with my co hosts Emmett Ernsberger and Luke Walker. Today we have a episode for you that we didn't really plan on, um, chain, with a lot of things going on that you guys have probably already heard about. We wanted to shift gears a little bit. We had some things in mind to talk about, but we wanted to completely change the direction of this episode. So We are going to be discussing some things that have happened this week and some stuff that we've gotten some more insight on. Um, So we're still going to be continuing to give you our top 10 positional rankings. We will have our small forwards ranked uh, top 10 and honorable mentions at the end of this episode. We wanted to keep doing that, but uh, we did some altering on what we're going to talk about. So today we are going to discuss um, Kevin Durant and how he will remain a Brooklyn Net. Um, Patrick Beverly was traded to the Lakers last night. We're recording this on a Thursday night. Um, Late last night, Patrick Beverly was traded um, for Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson, but we we will cover that. And um, kind of what's at stake for Donovan Mitchell? What's what's going on there? Um, Maybe the direction of the Lakers as well. And then uh, Chet Holmgren has been ruled out for the entirety of the 2022-2023 season. So we will discuss some of that in the Thunder as well. But going straight into it, guys, we were kind of blown with a bombshell. I definitely didn't expect it. You know, a message from the Brooklyn Nets uh, saying that they talked and met with Kevin Durant, um, with Steve Nash and Josiah and Sean Marks. They all met together with KD, I think, in Los Angeles. And they ultimately, you know, came to a conclusion and got KD to be on board uh, being a net this year and running it back with this team. Um, You know, first, I just want to say shout out to the Nets organization. Um, they didn't fold. Uh, They didn't listen to maybe what Kevin Durant wanted. They said, you know, you're on contract for four years. We have a championship team here right now. So we're going to, you're going to stick it out and we're going to play this through because in the Nets mind, nothing that they made via trade was going to be worth it considering what they have right now with what's arguably a top 10 to 12 player of all time in his prime currently alongside the pieces that can ultimately possibly win you a championship. So, uh, you know, either one of you open up here, but You know what was your reaction whenever we just saw out of nowhere? Hey, Kevin Durant's. You know they've mended the relationship. He's going to be there this year.
1: I'm going to be honest. It's it was definitely a mature decision, but like at the same time, I it it was almost like both sides were betting against each other, raising the hand, raising the pot, and then all of a sudden Josiah went all in, and then they just both kind of just quietly stepped back and just made the mature decision to keep moving forward, put everything aside, and win the finals? I mean, there's no other choice behind that.
2: Um, You know, I really like this from KD. I feel like this is not something we're accustomed to. KD typically uh, doesn't really like to face adversity. Um, and I, I like the fact that he's going to go back and play with the team and try to bring them a championship. Uh, I like the roster that they have. Um, I, I'm going to be the first to say, though, I, I don't think that a big three of Ben Simmons, Kyrie, and KD is winning a championship. I don't believe in any of those guys enough to say this team is going to be consistent throughout this season. Everything is going to go right. And they're going to bring it home at the end of the year. But I do like the move from KD to kind of go back and say, all right, I'm I'm here. Like, let's do this. Like we've got this roster in place and, you know, let's try to win a championship. I don't think that they can, but I like the move. And I I like the nets, you know, uh, holding strong and the fact that we're not trading you. Um, so I, I like it on both sides, but um, I, I'm I'm interested to watch this team this year. I, I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah, Luke, I, Luke, I, t- I totally get what you're saying in terms of, like, you don't necessarily trust the three of them, but I think that we can all agree that there's no denying how talented this team is on paper.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely is a risky decision, though, because Harden, KD, Kyrie, it didn't work out the first time. So adding Ben Simmons or substituting Ben Simmons for James Harden you 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 really can't see it working out any better. Hopefully it does. It might, who knows? But like at the same time, it is a very risky dice roll.
0: For sure. And uh, you know, I think the I think the biggest thing for the Kevin Durant, Harden, and Kyrie thing was just never all three could be healthy or be on the floor at the same time together. And you know, when they were on the floor, they looked great. And I think now I do agree it's not as good of a big three, those three, but it still could be a very dangerous big three. And I think that the way that Sean Marks has worked as GM for this team he's built a lot better of depth and just a surrounding roster around these three players than there was with that original three. And that team was good. I mean, whenever they were fully healthy, but this team, in my opinion, top to bottom is even better. And I, you know, I also just want to give a shout out to Sean Mark specifically because, you know, Kevin Durant, he, whether he saw that trade request coming or not, um, you know, he still went through with the Royce O'Neill deal. You know, he said, I don't care. I've got Kevin Durant on contract. I'm going to make moves to make our team better. So he goes out. He trades a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal, and then he also signs T.J. Warren. You know, I just think great moves, although they would have probably made made moves like that anyway to continue to win because they don't own their draft picks, that's stuff that's going to pay off now that they are running it back with this group. Um, You know, me personally, I do think that the potential for this team is definitely to win a championship. Like, there is potential there to definitely win it all. Um, I'm kind of with Luke. I'm not going to pick them. Um, You know, there is a consistency issue. But uh, there's no denying how great they can be, like I've mentioned. And um, I I think that they're right there with Boston and Milwaukee in the mix of contending for the East. You know, uh, you guys heard us on the last pod, or maybe it was pod 4 I don't remember, but we talked about contenders. And, you know, I I definitely think the Sixers are in there. But to me personally, I think that the Nets are above the Sixers, and I think that they're kind of right there with Boston and Milwaukee. Boston is still my favorite to come out of the East, even currently constructed with the Nets. But it wouldn't shock me at all if we do see the Nets in the finals.
2: I think you're right, Kyle. I mean, on paper, this team should win a championship this season. Um, not just because of having this big three in place, but I think you're right. You know, Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, like the the additional pieces they have on this roster, they really could make a run if everything goes correctly, how it's supposed to go. Um, so there's absolutely no denying the talent on this team, but, uh, I'm I'm just really I, – I can't wait to see how it plays out, man. I'm really intrigued by this.
1: Yeah, it's It's honestly insane how just last week we were talking about how this team was just a complete dumpster fire when it came to the whole situation. And now looking at it with it all settled down, they arguably have one of the best offseasons in the entire NBA. Oh, yeah. I mean, they added so much depth, scoring, defense, everything. I mean, it's. it's really going to be something.
0: You know, when, when you really look at their offseason now, that their offseason is complete at this point, now that we know that Kevin Durant is going to remain there. I mean, let's look at it. Kyrie Irving opted into his player option. He's still there. Okay, that's that's first thing. Second thing is they went out. You know, we've mentioned they got Royce O'Neal via trade, and they signed T.J. Warren um, in free agency. They also will get Joe Harris back from injury. And um, – they re-signed Claxton. I'm not a huge Claxton guy, but considering they don't have really have many options at the five, I mean, that's something. And Ben Simmons was out the whole year, and they're going to get him. So, I mean, they're going to improve a ton in that sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you also have some guys coming up, at least one. I'm really excited to see what Cam Thomas can do with that team. Me too. Yeah. Um, Let me ask both of you all this. Going back to a week ago, would
2: either of y'all been able to see this KD situation playing out like this or would you have said there's no way he plays for this team next season no shot he played that was yeah. my, my
0: if thought. you if you asked me that a few weeks ago i would have i would have said i wouldn't be surprised but when he came out and kind of made extra comments and stuff yes now i was surprised yeah um, that that was definitely a shock to me i figured whenever he started saying more and kind of reiterating hey i went out of here I, I thought we were entering some dangerous territory of Kevin Durant possibly not showing up to training camp. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that that may have still been a possibility, but, but, again, credit to the Nets and their front office for continuing to push to keep him there, and they were able to hold a meeting where they ultimately convinced him, like, let's run it back.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, there was also the rumor going around, which was KD said was false on Twitter, but still, like, the thought of retirement, just, like, mm-hmm. What, for two hours, people were considering he might retire? Just, like, the whole thing was completely chaos.
0: Yeah. Um. So let me ask you this, just kind of as we're wrapping up this Nets talk. Um, if we were to go back because we had a Nets tier in our offseason grades, where do you put this team now?
1: A, for me. You know what? I'm going to actually go S just because – I felt like I mean they were already a contender and they only upgraded. And for a lot of contenders, that just wasn't the case.
0: I'm I think I'm with you, Emmett. And I have no problem, Luke, with you going A, but I think I am S for kind of like the same reasons as Emmett. But this team already last year, if everybody was healthy, you'd probably say they were a contender. And then they added two great pieces alongside them. I mean, they've not had a wing stopper in this kind of era. And Royce O'Neill has declined a little bit, but considering he's still a very good and well above average wing defender, and he's turned into an elite three-point shooter at this point, that was an awesome upgrade at the wing around those guys. And then TJ Warren, man, I mean, that kind of gives you some insurance where if Kevin Durant does miss some games of like, hey, here's a, a – which we've talked about it before, but here's an 18 to 20-point-per-game score. Definitely. Like, you know, that's insurance for KD if he's out. So, And then I'm interested in seeing a lineup of Kyrie Irving – Joe Harris, um, either Royce O'Neal or TJ Warren, um, Kevin Durant, and then Ben Simmons. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked at all if – it would. I don't think it would ever be a closing lineup, but I think there could be some mid-game lineups where we see Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, and Kevin Durant and have fun guarding that.
1: Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> impossible like people think Jokic on there I'm not saying they're the same player at all but the same thought process
2: yeah I I definitely see where both of y'all are coming from putting them in the S tier the reason that they're a tier for me is kind of going back to what I said with you know on paper this team wins championship I don't personally feel like it's attainable because of this big three that they have intact because of their history um that's why I would put them in a tier otherwise if, if these guys were were guys that never got hurt and were always consistently on the court s tier for me no doubt uh, that's that's my only my only reasoning for putting them in a tier because obviously now uh, it, it's been a great off season for them
0: which i think <laughs> is more than fair because there is a there's a world where it works perfect and there's also a world where ben simmons is continually unreliable um tj warren is just remains hurt Kevin Durant only gets to play 40 games. Kyrie Irving has something going on or he has continuous nagging injuries. Uh Joe Harris maybe tweaks his ankle again and then, then what are we looking at? So I I I get it, Luke. Hey Matt, what were you saying?
1: Um completely honest, I do not remember.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> uh, I think that's enough Nets talk at this point. You know, I mean, we've discussed them a lot. I think it is going to be interesting to see where this team goes. But um, big, big time stuff for them to to retain Kevin Durant and not have to worry about trading him. Um, Now, something that happened last night. Uh, I won't say it totally threw me off, but I guess I was a little shocked. I didn't know if it was actually going to happen or not. But Patrick Beverly was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. And for those of you that forgot, he was a part of the Rudy Gobert trade for salaries, so he was sent to Utah, and Utah now flipped him for Taylor Horton-Tucker and Stanley Johnson. Now, um, initial reaction, great move. It's an upgrade. I like it. Uh, what about you guys?
1: I'm going to be I- honest. If, if, if this doesn't make the Lakers the favorite to win the NBA Finals, I don't know what does. Patrick <laughs> Beverly this is a game-changer, but – Realistically, it's a great pickup, great on defense, 37% from the field or from three. I mean, it's what you want. I'm also glad tht has gone, honestly. It's just so much stress has been taken off my shoulders. But.
2: Yeah, there, oh. there's been way too much hype with THD. Uh I'm going to be honest, I didn't really care about Stanley Johnson. Um, I like Patrick Beverly a lot. I uh, love his ability to defend. You Now you have uh, Patrick Beverly um ad who's a great defender and lebron when he wants to be a great defender can be um at, you know in, in crucial moments um i like this move a lot do i think it impacts you know what they can do uh you know going into the postseason absolutely not i still i'm not convinced this is a playoff team um i don't really like the roster they have constructed um but i i like getting i like going out and getting patrick beverly uh, it's a guy that i'm really high on and I, I like the way that he can fit into that roster and kind of bring a grid.
0: I totally agree with you. And, you know, Pat Bev, being a Clipper fan, um, he is honestly a great three and D. You know, I feel like whenever you say that, there's some people that are like, I don't know about the three part. And I'm just like, just trust me. Like, and Emmett said it, he is a career 37% shooter from three. Last year wasn't the greatest year from three. He shot north of like 34%. But, I mean, the five, six years prior to that, he's literally a 40% three-point shooter. Like, a slump season happens here and there with NBA players. And Pat Bev was still super impactful for the T-Wolves, if you watched them at all. Um, you know, he's going to give that team stuff that they need. Um, one of my first inclinations – first off, I want to touch on the Taylor-Horton-Tugger side of things. You know, guys, I-, I hope the best for that guy. You know, maybe he can figure something out in Utah – but the hype should have never even started with him, and he genuinely was not a good NBA player while he no. was a Laker. He <laughs> no, was not. It's, it's not like this is somebody that showed a ton of flash. He had a few good preseason games. You know, I'm sure there's a game somewhere maybe two seasons ago or even last season where he might have played well or whatever, but he's genuinely just not a good NBA player. And part of it is he's super young. But I mean, there's just a lot of flaws to him, man. He's not very smart with the ball. He doesn't really have a left hand. He does have a crazy wingspan and is pretty athletic, but he's not shown anything defensively that's eye popping to you. Um, so I again I hope for the best for him. I don't I don't I don't have anything against him. I just got very frustrated how people tried to hype him up to be some crazy good prospect simply because LeBron James tweeted he's him.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean- I never understood the hype with him. Also, I it I'm as a Lakers fan, I am relieved to see him off this roster. Kind of like what you were saying, I Em, and it's like you hear so much just over and over. Oh, this is the guy. He's going to be a guy. Uh, yeah, but he's not. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm relieved to get him off that roster.
1: I, I think the big thing with the trade is it kind of opens up the Russell Westbrook trade a little bit again. Yes. Do I think he's going to get traded? Probably not. But it makes things interesting.
2: Is I mean, Russ? Russ is guaranteed to be the starter.
0: Uh, um, contrary to the report that I saw today, you know, shout out to the athletic. Um, they're great at what they do. Everyone that writes in there and Jovan specifically, he used to be a Clipper writer. Now he's a Laker writer. Jovan's good with his stuff. Um, you know, and he's reported today that with Patrick Beverly coming in, um, it is more likely that Westbrook is going to be traded or that Westbrook will be in a similar situation as John Wall, where the Lakers will tell him not to show up. Um, So that would kind of shock me if they go that route. Um, Kind of with Emmett, I don't know if it guarantees that Russ is going to be traded, but I do think that that move kind of showed that, like, their head is not towards running it back. Um, They're definitely trying to find a move here um, for Westbrook.
1: Yeah, I keep seeing Russell Westbrook for Miles Turner and uh, Buddy Heald. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if that's just Lakers fans just talking, or how that's starting. But I just, I don't imagine even if the Pacers are trying to rebuild, that that's even reasonably, like a reasonable trade to think about.
0: So I think it's real, and let me tell you why. Um, they have tried to, they have already flirted with that potential type offer with Westbrook for Heald and um, Turner, and they've just not been willing to give up both available first-round draft picks. Now, if you go back to what the Pacers traded uh, Boston, Malcolm Brogdon was traded. They did get five players, but three of them they waived, and one was Neesmith. I mean, he's not done much, and the other was Tice, and that was just kind of like a salary thing. Um, It really was because they got a first-round pick for Brogdon. And so if they're going to trade Malcolm Brogdon for one first-round pick, they have no intentions of getting more than one first-round pick for either Buddy Heald or Miles Turner as an individual. I think that's fair, right? Yeah. So so the fact that the Lakers haven't been willing to budge on two first-round picks for both of those players in a deal, I think they might be more willing to now because they found a player like Patrick Beverly without giving up any draft compensation. And, you know, that would put them in a position, not saying this deal is going to happen. I do think that we are leaning more towards it having – more towards it being a real possibility and that would put them in a spot where they could have a very quality starting five at all five positions with Patrick Beverly, Buddy Heald, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Miles Turner. And it fits everything you need. Pat Pat Beverly's three and D Um, LeBron's going to run your offense. So Pat Bev would be a guy that fits really well with LeBron. Buddy Heald is going to be catch and shoot and can create off the dribble a little bit. Perfect, perfect side piece on LeBron James team in terms of scoring ability and shooting the ball. You have lebron, anthony davis prefers to play the floor, prefers to play the four and you're putting him with a defensive big man that also spaces the floor in that scenario. I think it's perfect. Now, again, there is a lot to it in terms of is indiana just kind of going to throw everything away? Maybe it, because I'll put it this way, just because they turned down the offer for one first round pick doesn't mean that they will like we said accept the offer with two first round picks. I think they probably would, and it would be in the good interest of them because Miles Turner especially is a free agent this offseason, um, and there's not going to be an extension worked out there. I mean, if there is, it would shock me. Um, but, you know, and Buddy Heald's only got two years left, so I think you are probably in a better position if you just clear a bunch of money out with Westbrook's contract as well as getting two first-round picks. Maybe you ask for some seconds as well, and I think that that's more than fair.
1: You know, it, it sounds like to me – LeBron's been planning on this for a while because that's – I'm not going to lie. That's like, in my opinion, like the most perfect scenario when it comes to a team built around LeBron. Oh, I, that,
0: that starting five specifically is perfect around a LeBron like, team. Yeah. They're,
1: not, they're not the flashiest team at all, but like I don't know if LeBron has played with a team that's necessarily perfect for him in his entire career, and just the sound of that starting five sounds perfect. I'm not – no complaints.
2: Yeah, that, that would be that would be great for the Lakers. And, and like you said, Kyle, I think it would be beneficial for the Pacers as well. Um, you know, will the Lakers be willing to to budge on those picks? You know, we'll see. Um, that'd be a move that I'd love to see. I'm not certain that it's gonna happen. I'm not certain that, that Russ will be moved. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see Russ moved, but yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I I it's it's gonna be interesting to see, but that's definitely a move I would like to see made, but you know we'll see how it plays out.
0: I do think one thing that is worth mentioning is that I thought that they might try to flirt the idea of Russell Westbrook um, and a first-round pick and some seconds to see if they could entice Utah to give them both Beverly and um, Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, I don't know if that was ever a real thing, but my mind was always geared towards. I'm you know, just trying to put my head in the place of Rob Plinkett would be could they get Bev and Bogdanovich and then use the other first along with like um, THT's contract and Kendrick Nunn or, or Stanley Johnson or something to go get Miles um, Turner. Um, I still think Buddy Heald, fifth great. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is out of the picture now because They don't have like what it would take salary wise or whatever. I mean, maybe if they look towards like Clarkson and Boyan, but I don't think that's worth it at this point with what they have. Um, But it will be interesting. Um, You know, I do think they're going to try to figure that out. I don't think there's many options. I think that's pretty much the only one at this at this current time. Um, And if they don't figure that out, it will be interesting to see what happens with Westbrook uh, when training camp approaches.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think you almost have to picture something happens because I I like the Patrick Beverly trade a lot, but it really didn't add a ton of depth, which is what they're severely lacking. Oh yeah. And so you, you kind of picture that something is else is going to happen. I I don't really know what y'all think about that, but. I,
0: I think that if a move makes you better, you make it, which they did, but I do think that there has to be some form of, at least having a good feeling about something else happening for them to have made that move.
2: Yeah, because like you said, I mean, it, they don't have that depth right now. Um, I, I, making that move for Patrick Beverly, like you said, I, I think that they're, they have a feeling something else can take place, um, whether it will or not, you know, to be determined. But I, I agree with that statement for sure.
0: And and worse come to worse, man, they get off of some money a year earlier because – because THT had a player option for, like, uh, next offseason, and he would have definitely accepted that at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, the dude's going to make, like, $13 million for – if he was on – who knows what he does in Utah, but, I mean, if he was on the Lakers, he would have been making $13 million to go average seven points a game on 38% shooting. Like (laughs) – yeah. So, I mean, that's – hey, shout out to his agent. But – Yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah. it will be interesting though. I you know, I do think honestly, I doubt he's in Utah's plans. What do you think? Just last little wrap up with this Lakers stuff. Do you do I, you think I, that THT is in, in Utah's any, plans at all?
1: No, I can't I can't imagine. No
2: way Utah looks at, no way Danny Ainge looks at THT and says, This is a guy that is gonna be one of our centerpieces moving forward. Because Danny Ainge is an intelligent man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, I it'll be interesting. You know, I'm trying not to try not to hate on him. He didn't do anything. <laughs> Simply, he got hyped literally because LeBron James tweeted he's him. Like you go LeBron, back and look. That's
2: LeBron James also said he watched The Godfather six times and then he couldn't recite a quote. So <laughs> we have to take everything that man says with. <laughs>
0: yeah, did you also see LeBron's uh, one of his latest tweets? I think it was like. Either yesterday or today? No,
1: I, don't, I don't think so.
0: Somebody said something about – uh was that Cuffs guy on Twitter said something about people hating on Westbrook and, like, just giving him another chance. And LeBron was like, yeah, he's about to go off this year. <laughs> it's like yeah, – He's about go off in Indiana. <laughs> he he
1: –
0: <had laughs> Back at his house,
2: had, a, you know, one too many glasses of red wine. Got on Twitter. Stuff like that's gonna happen, but <laughs> Westbrook's yeah. definitely
0: not. But you know, people have been comparing it to to LeBron's tweet last year of like uh, saying that everybody's calling them wash and old, and he was like, "Just wait, just wait on us. Don't speak on our team's name." And it's like, "Come on, man! Like, why, why are you, <laughs> doing you wouldn't even go see I, Russell Westbrook at summer league? Don't act like, don't act like you're all like yeah. supportive of him now." Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's whatever. I. Like we said, I think we're all in agreement that they at least are going to attempt to make another move here, so it'll be interesting. Um, Moving along, uh, since we're talking about Utah some, you know, what's at stake for Donovan Mitchell? So it was reported by The Athletic. um, I've got it pulled up, I think. But they made a trade offer. uh, The Knicks made a actual, like, legit trade offer for Donovan Mitchell. And it included... Evan Fournier, Obi Toppin. I can't find it. I thought I had the article pulled up, but I was reading it the other day. But Evan Fournier, Obi Toppin. I don't remember if it's another player or not or something. It wasn't if it was, it wasn't anything crazy. And I think it was two unprotected first round picks. Yeah, it was two unprotected first round picks, and then there were some pick swaps in there. Basically, Danny Ainge has said, I want um four or five unprotected first round picks, which I get it. I mean, you're giving up a player like Donovan Mitchell, but um, I'm just glad that the Knicks actually submitted like somewhat of an offer. Like, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, you're obviously not gonna send in your house offer first thing. Um, so I'm glad that they're on it, but uh, I do think that we are very likely to see Mitchell move probably in the next two or three weeks. Now that yeah, the grand stuff's over.
1: I'm I'm happy that the Knicks are trying to make some aggressive moves because I mean. Outside of the one big Julius Randle season, I don't really remember the last time the Knicks were, like, what I think of when I think of the New York Knicks. But at the same time, like, with the Rudy Gobert trade having so many picks, KD trade didn't happen. I feel like two picks is very underwhelming.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: Yeah, for sure. And Anna? Oh, go ahead.
0: No, you got it, Luke.
2: Oh, I was just – I'm in agreement with you that I think, you know, give it a couple weeks, something will get worked out. Um, I do like that they submitted an actual offer. uh, And I'm really relieved that this KD stuff's out of the way now. Um, But continue with what you're saying.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know the validity to some of these reports. But, you know, there's people coming on saying that Danny Ainge never actually said that he needs six or seven first-round picks. For a donovan mitchell trade and i mean it makes sense i know Danny. i know danny ainge always tries to like win the deal but i think you could still in the long term definitely win a deal if it's four or five unprotected first round picks um i don't think it has to be six or seven and quite frankly you're not going to get six or seven unprotected first round picks i love donovan mitchell but that's unprecedented yeah, that's, that's, um, that's definitely a reach um so I do think that that report was probably false. Um, now, what's going to be interesting is to see what other teams pursue him now that they know Kevin Durant is not available. Um, there is some buzz going around that Cleveland is pretty interested in Donovan Mitchell, which I think would be awesome. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, uh, the the Cavs are one of my kind of sleeper final teams. I'm not going to lie; like, def- It's probably not reasonable for this next year but for the next five years
0: let me stop you real quick before you keep going because so that nobody just sits there and calls you crazy that team was easily a a mid-50 win team if jared allen doesn't get hurt at the very end of the season.
1: yeah i i think people forget just how good jared allen is and how young he is and that doesn't even consider who else is on their roster like that team's very good adding don adding donovan mitchell just makes that team a legitimate Contender, honestly, in my opinion.
0: Well, well, what does it do? It gives them exactly what they need: relief off the ball from Darius Garland and just a pure score Because what did they exactly? Do? What did they do at the deadline? They went to try to acquire a shooting guard that could, or a, a wing player that could do them for, that could do that for them. And caris Levert, did it work out? Not really. So again, we're back at stage one with Cleveland. Of what do they need? They need a playmaking guard that can go get a bucket. They have every draft pick. Donovan Mitchell is right there. You have a core of Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. You've got a coro there. You've got Kevin Love to come off the bench. Who had a great season last season. You've got pieces. I say go make it happen if you can at least – like if you could trade Lavert and maybe something else for contract purposes, like you're not giving up – and you just simply trade the draft capital. Because you're you are quite honestly going to have every player that I just mentioned locked in long term. And it might not be that big of a deal to give up that capital.
1: Yeah, that, that team, if that trade was to happen, would be set up for the most dominant run outside of their years with LeBron they've ever had by far. Oh, yeah. Not even close. Yeah. And you
2: know, I I love that that young core that they have intact there. And and like you said, you know, Kevin Love coming off the bench. Um I would love to see them go out and, and make this move to get Donovan Mitchell. I've kind of like had my heart set that he was going to be a Nick, but I, I can definitely see I hope see he is. Playing. I want
0: to say, I, I hope he is a Nick. You guys have listened and you know that I, I want Donovan Mitchell to be a Nick. So we're, we're still on that train.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, I for, for Cleveland's sake, I would love to see them go get him because he does nothing but make that team better and take them to where they need to be. And I would love – for the sake of the Cleveland Cavaliers fan base, for them to be able to make another run of a few years here and and have a team that's, you know, championship caliber and have a really talented roster and give that city something to look
1: forward Especially to. Especially without LeBron, like the thought yeah. of a Cleveland team in any sport being dominant without LeBron is just like it has doesn't, to put a smile on your face. Yeah, it doesn't even sound right, you know, but it makes me... <laughs>
0: So so let me pose this question to you. Um, well, we'll close out the Cavs conversation first, and then we'll kind of move – we'll end things with Don Mitchell. But, you know, I just want to say the Cavs are opening cap space as well, and maybe that could be a thing where, like, the cap space just turns into you've acquired a player like Don Mitchell. It doesn't have to be an outright signing in pre-agency. And, you know, I, I didn't mention Laurie Markkinen earlier. He's been good for them. He was good for them last year. And I also want to just real quick – Obviously some people might question it at first because of a small backcourt of Garland and Mitchell, totally fair. But my counter argument would be that would be one of the most dynamic backcourts in the entire NBA, if not the most dynamic backcourt, paired with arguably one of the better def- better defensive frontcourts in the entire league with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen down there. So, yes, they may have their flaws in the perimeter defensively and they might be a little small, but I think that they can make up for it and have a good enough defense with pieces that they already
1: have. Definitely. And they're all still growing. It's not like they're trading for a 35 year old with a bunch of people in their late twenties, early thirties. Like these guys are fresh into the league. Like, I mean, there's no reason for them not to grow as a full team and just completely conform into just one of the best teams of all time. I know that sounds like a very big reach, but
0: I see what you're saying. I don't know how else to say ceiling, that. like, like it's ceiling. You, like when you talk teams, you got to talk ceiling and floor. And ceiling of that team is very, very, very high.
1: Might might be higher than anyone else in the NBA. Honestly, I don't think that's crazy.
2: Uh, you know, if, if that were to happen, I like that team over this, you know, Nets team that's, that's constructed. Just for me personally.
0: I wouldn't go that far, but I will. <laughs> I'm. I mean, you, you, to, like you're entitled to your opinion. I personally yeah. not go that far, but I do think that in years forward they would have just as good of a shot as anybody.
1: Yeah, I I actually do think it's very very close. Because for me, I think it
0: it's more based on another like a another smaller leap from Garland, along with whenever you get the big Mobley jump. Yeah. And I think that's kind of hard to bank on a a year one to year two, like, big Mobley jump. Year two to that, year three is more than fair.
1: Yeah, that, that big jump will happen, though. I, I think he has oh, no doubt. potential to be an insane power forward.
0: Yeah, and, la- and last note, just based on Cleveland's defense, if they were to make a move like that, my opinion, Jared Allen is already someone who can anchor a top ten defense. He proved it last year. Evan Mobley most certainly can be that caliber of guy. And if you have two of those dudes on one team, you're locked lock for top ten defense. I don't care what else is on your team.
1: Yeah, there, there's no other way around it.
0: So, last Donovan Mitchell question before we move on. Um, and I'm kind of putting you guys on the spot. This was not something that we discussed. Uh, one team that you think should make a push for Donovan Mitchell now that Kevin Durant
1: is not available? Outside of those two teams, yeah, the Heat. i um, like, I feel like the Heat are missing something. They, they ever since they made it the run to the finals, I feel like they've been a little bit dry. They, they need a little bit of a refreshment, some ice in their water. Just Donovan Mitchell kind of do, does that for me. I'm not gonna lie.
2: I I like that. I, I like the Heat. Uh, something that was kind of thrown out maybe a couple weeks ago, like the Magic potentially. Uh, trying to do something. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I don't really outside of those two teams. I mean, I don't really have a team where I think go make a push for this guy right now. I, I really think it kind of boils down to the three that were mentioned.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to throw one out there and it's going to be the Toronto Raptors. Um, Definitely. And
1: I don't know if it's possible, but I kind of like the idea of the Hornets as well as the Raptors.
0: I do too. And I, I don't know their draft capital situation. I have to look at it. I know the Raptors have what it would take. I don't know if the Hornets do or not. But
1: Yeah, I think the common thing with the uh, the heat and the Raptors is that it just elevates them right there into the contender spot.
0: Yep. So, and I think, I think that I think Raptors, because of the same reason as the Cavs, and it's what are they lacking, and it's the exact same thing.
1: hmm Yeah, I mean, both teams just need a very dynamic wing and – Donovan Mitchell is the guy for that. Yeah. So
0: that's enough Donovan Mitchell talk for now. You know, I know we've talked about Kevin Durant Donovan Mitchell specifically a lot this offseason, but we have to. I mean, we we have to. Like, there's no way around it. Um, But lastly, before we give you our top ten small forwards, uh, you know, we just want to talk with you about how Chet Holmgren has now been ruled out for the entirety of the 2022-2023 season. So in case you just didn't know or haven't seen Twitter or just – I don't know, just didn't see it. Um, Chet Holmgren was playing in the crossover Pro-Am, which is held in Seattle. Jamal Crawford hosts that Pro-Am every summer. He has for a long time. And there it happened to be a very star-studded run. Guys like LeBron, Jason Tatum, uh, Paolo, Chet, um, Aaron Gordon. I know I'm forgetting a name, but they were all there. And it was just star-studded uh, game. You know, probably the biggest pro-am stuff that Seattle's ever had. And although the floor was slippery, and you know, if you guys have seen it, basically the AC was out in the building. So the conditions for the court weren't good enough. So mid-second quarter, they had to stop the game and end it. Um, they wanted to open the doors to try to let some air maybe come in and make it easier, but they couldn't because they were afraid of people barging in and because they were already at full capacity. So, uh, although people were slipping and they did have to end it early, Chet's injury didn't really have anything to do with that. Um, it was a fast break very early in the game. Uh, Chet was backpedaling LeBron was going to the rim and Chet jumped up and he just quite honestly landed on his foot in a very awkward way. And it looked very concerning and report came out, I guess it was last night or this morning, something like that, that, uh, there was there, that there was fear that Chet had significant uh, ligament damage um in his ankle. So uh just first question, what was your initial reaction to seeing the video of Chet getting hurt?
2: So my thought was this sucks because this is a guy who is yet to play an NBA game and he's out for the he's missing his whole rookie year. Um so that, that was my first thought. I feel for the guy. Uh also I, I go you know, my head goes to, all right, well, the Thunder are obviously going to be tanking this year. Um, and my, the, the third thing I had, like my initial thought, I, I knew people were going to be coming for these guys saying, oh, don't, don't play in these programs, pro-ams like season hasn't started. And, and I can see where they're coming from. But I think that people need to realize that these guys are going, you know, playing hardcore pickup throughout the summer Stuff that we don't always see, you know, hardcore private workouts. So this could have happened in any situation. Um, it just, you know, it happens that he he gets injured in a situation where it's a high profile pro m game. Um, those are my my initial thoughts on it. But I think people need to ease up on the fact of like, hey, these guys need to just take it easy before you know until the season starts and and not be out here doing this. But I, I feel for the guy. I feel for Chet. Um, you know, it, it's not not great to start your career with
1: a season ending injury. I, I completely agree, but honestly, my first thought was, like, wow, like, he really fell into the stereotype that everyone was expecting to happen, and that's that's not me saying I expect it to happen, I wanted it to happen, I don't think anyone wanted it to happen, but it just, it's really sad that, like, he got hurt trying to guard LeBron, of all people, it's like, one of the more dominant guys under the rim on a fast break, and he just, Got his butt tangled, stepped weird, and it's just it just sucks.
0: Yeah. And you know, you hit on it, it's gonna be an unfair narrative that that just sucks because it had nothing to do with Chad just being too little, whatever. It was just such an awkward like yeah. And you know, it I don't like it, but there are gonna be people that are like, Oh, I called it, I called it. And it's like you're a weirdo, like if you're like if you're saying that right now, like quite honestly. You, yeah. you want something bad to happen. Yeah. all this, you know. Like there's no denying how special with talent Chet is. And if you really just want to see him get hurt just so that you can sound right in that sense, like you're a sicko.
1: Yeah, don't don't be watching sports if you're gonna be like that. I mean, mean, Chet's only like four years removed from his mom picking out his school outfits. Like (laughs) like we can't be that pressured, or we can't be putting that much pressure on him. Like, come on. (laughs) So, um now, where this
0: goes for the thunder um you know we kind of texted about it once we realized and i think it's inevitable that this team kind of is already ready to tank from day one now knowing that chet is out for the entirety of the year agreed
1: yes but i do think they could make a little run and maybe be on the bubble of a playoff or a play-in team but i i think that's a big push I don't know how reasonable that is or how easy that is. So, I, I do like the idea of maybe getting in the Victor sweepstakes. But once again, like we said it a couple episodes ago, the Victor sweepstakes is not a guaranteed thing. Yeah. All. No, it's not.
0: And, you know, man, like I do think if Chet was healthy and playing, this is, I hate it because the Thunder are genuinely one of my favorite teams in the entire league to watch. goes Alexander is one of my favorite players. He's so good, so underrated. Um, Josh Giddy was awesome last year until he got hurt. You know, they have other nice pieces as well. I'm not going to go through every single individual on the team, but they're a very fun team to watch, and they have pieces that are going to be good for this team long term. And now that they had a piece like Chet and some of the other pieces that they had in the draft, it was going to be the year to take a jump. And I'm not saying that jump means that they were a sixth seed, but the jump means that maybe they were just playing some competitive basketball. Like, that's all that means. It doesn't mean being it doesn't even mean being in the play in. It's simply kind of like what the Pistons did at the end of last year. Yes, the Pistons were playing for the lottery, but they played good basketball. You could watch you could actually watch a Pistons game because it wasn't just them getting beat by twenty five. Like it was Cade Cunningham putting on a show and other guys getting involved and it would go down to late in the fourth quarter before you really had a decision of the game. And that's what I honestly feel like the Thunder were going to be all season long. And now I just feel like that's gone
1: yeah definitely i mean i think all three of us were on board with the whole thunder being fun to watch being very competitive maybe making a playoff push but it's just the whole idea of rebuilding is just no fun no one wants to see it no, no and one wants to even think about rebuilding
2: no and i hate this for shay because he's such a talented guy and he's kind of stuck in this position of you know we were kind of talking about it kyle uh, he's, he's stuck in this position of, wow, this team's not trying to actively win right now. And, you know, this is a guy who's just gets better and better every year and uh, still a young guy. And it, it just, I hate it for him. I hate tanking because it's like you said, all we really want to do is watch good basketball. You know, that doesn't mean you have to come out and win 50 games, doesn't even mean you have to come out and win 40 games. But, you know, go out on a, a daily basis and, you know, put on a show, you know, give 100% effort and, and play good basketball. That's what everyone wants to see. So, you know, when I when I look at a team that I, I don't think is trying to win, I, I hate that. I don't like it at all.
0: Yeah, so my thing with Shay, man, is like we're no longer in a stage with Shea goes Alexander where we're saying this is gonna be a really good player. No, this is a player that right now could contribute and be a top three player on a team winning a playoff series. Yeah. And so I hate having to watch players like that go through what he's going through. Now all reports say he's still all in. I totally believe it. But it is just, as a basketball fan and someone who wants to watch him continue to thrive and get the respect he deserves, it just won't happen as long as they're still in the tanking stage.
1: No, yeah, I definitely. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I definitely think one of the worst parts is there for a month or two, it definitely looked like this team was going to be competitive. And then all of a Very. sudden, one misstep. And it's right back to square
2: one. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was going to say. I I had some optimism for this team going into the season, um, and this Chet stuff just you know it kind of kind of takes that away for me. Um, not really a team that I'm super interested in watching play now, just because of what I think is going to happen. Yeah,
0: um, I still think they maybe could be competitive because when you do look at it, they do have the pieces if everybody's there, but. I also totally understand the direction that they're more than likely going to take here. And last point I want to mention about the Thunder, I do think that this opens up a lot for Jalen Williams, the one that was selected 12th um, out of Santa Clara. And I think he is going to be a really good player. And there's a lot of opportunity for him here. And I will be very interested in following his rookie season now that Chet is out. And not that I wasn't going to be very interested in watching him anyway. Like I said, Guys, I'm being 100% honest whenever I say this. Outside of the Clippers, like the Thunder are legit like top five in my like, I watch you. like yeah. I just like the pieces that much. And so I am going to be very interested in watching him and seeing how that dynamic works now that he's going to get even more opportunity.
1: Definitely. I mean, no one wants, wants to check to get hurt. But at the same time, it is going to give them an opportunity to kind of just put their head down and work get better and people like Poku and they're all their rookies. Like I, it's not going to be the worst scenario. No one wants to see him rebuild, but they're going to be able to just get better without the idea of being it, like having to force wins.
0: Yeah. And, you know, last one, last guy I want to mention before we move into our top and small forwards is we, when we talked about extensions, we talked about Darius Baisley. And, you know, I hate to say that anything of an injury is a good thing. Because it's not. Like, I feel bad for Chet. But this this could be something that we look back on and say this kind of – this is the reason Darius Baisley is still a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, maybe he just has a good year now and they keep him long-term yeah. because this happened. So that yeah, well, would be interesting to watch as well.
1: One, one strong year because of this one bad step could completely alter his life, honestly, because he – I mean, who knows what he can do? His his ceiling is honestly much higher than people
0: give him credit
1: for. It is. It is.
2: Like, like you said, you feel for Chet, but giving a guy an opportunity of a lifetime, I mean, you know, you, you could look, you could view that as a positive, but, you know, still sucks somebody had to get hurt for that to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think that's enough on Chet, man. You know, very unfortunate, um, but, ho, you know, there was reports from ESPN, some type of doctor or whatever that works there was saying that you don't ever see this injury in basketball, and it was like a Liz Franck injury or whatever. Yeah. I've never heard of it, and it makes sense. You know, I keep up with the NBA. have for years. I've never heard of this injury before. She said it's common in football, and she was saying that oh, most people do recover very well from this, and it takes around four to six months, and that the latest example is Travis Etienne, and they were saying that he, he was out last year and that he looks great now. So very promising for Chet going forward um so that that was good to know at least and I also do think that we have to remind ourselves that realistically Chet probably could come back in like March but it's just not worth it at that point in his first NBA season so that's that's why they ruled him out for the whole year um so lastly going into our top 10 small forwards continuing our positional rankings here uh i will say at the top i had some discretion that i battled back and forth with um i don't know i feel for me personally i didn't see myself banging my head against the wall as much as i did for point guards and shooting guards overall and i know our lists are going to be different but like just my personal self making my list i didn't find myself being like oh this is as controversial as those two are
1: yeah it, it it did feel a lot smoother. Now, it's not that it was easy at all, but I felt like I was able to come up with a lot more a lot simpler reasoning for a lot of these and some of the other ones I was just fight myself for hours. and some of these I was able to come to quick conclusions, not easy ones, but
0: yeah ones. so um honorable mentions, I'll go first. Um I had three honorable mentions, and those were Tobias Harris, r j. Barrett and OG Ananobi?
1: I had two, and they were R.J. Barrett and OG as well. But I do like the Tobias Harris shout-out. Just honestly, like I just have to say this, like his development from college to the NBA has been extraordinary, just completely changed as a player. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And
2: I had three as well, Um, uh, in no particular order, Uh, Mikkel Bridges, Andrew Wiggins, and Michael Porter, Jr.,
0: Um, I'll just go ahead and say it. I had MPJ completely off my list and it's not because of ability. Um, ability wise, we know how good he can be. And I totally get why you threw him in there. Um, I just feel like he's so unreliable at this point. I'm not even going to include him on a list like this.
1: That's fair. I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie. I thought by this point he was going to be top three back looking at him when he was in high school. But <laughs> <laughs> didn't turn out that well. But it I'm just, still a big MPJ guy.
0: When the concern for him going into the draft was his back because of the injury in college, and that's why he fell to 14th, and the physical didn't go great at pre-draft stuff, and then he had a back injury last year already at, like, year four in the NBA. (laughs) I'm just not too optimistic going forward.
1: Talent's definitely there. I believe he averaged 19 points his last full – On
0: very, very good efficiency. And actually, you know, shout out to NBA University. You guys know that was Steven that came on the podcast a few weeks ago uh, that writes for the Orlando Magic. But um, he tweeted something the other day, and it was one of those graphics, and he was showing a lot of stuff of Michael Porter Jr. And two seasons ago, whenever he had like kind of like a breakout year like that, um, in terms of shot quality, he was in – he was like in terms of being open on shots and shot quality, he was one of the lowest in the league, but in terms of percentage-wise, he was, like, very top. So, yeah. so, he is a special player, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but it's just being healthy. So, I'll go first. I'll get my list first. I don't think I have went first yet. Um, at 10, I had Mikael Bridges. At 9, I went DeMar DeRozan. At 8, Andrew Wiggins. 7, Brandon Ingram. Six. Chris Middleton, five; Jimmy Butler, four; LeBron James, three; Jason Tatum, two; Kawhi Leonard, and one; Kevin Durant.
1: Pretty okay. similar to me. I'm not gonna lie, but a little bit different. Do you want to yeah. go, Luke?
2: Uh, you can go ahead, Emmett. I was just gonna say I have I have similar players. Uh, guys, hold
0: on. Is there uh, before before we move on? It's controversy questions? Anything?
1: I, I, demar was a little low i'm not gonna lie so i, I guess high. playoff
0: playoff demar to me is a complete no-show and it's last <laughs> year and it i mean I, DeMar, I, like, I like i get it i get it andrew wiggins you could totally argue that he couldn't be the first option that demar is in the regular season but the playoffs definitely weigh a lot more to me and i've seen andrew wiggins in this past year have a better playoffs than demar could ever imagine
1: that's that's completely respectable. What what he did with the Warriors was phenomenal, but I, I guess I do have a little bit of bias towards Demar. Just I'm a huge fan of Demar. Definitely, his playoff is lacking. You could say yeah. at at, yeah. at the best, but like that's, yeah, that's, that's that's all I that's have to being say about nice. that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Demar placement. I have more of an issue with the KD placement. Um okay. and, and it's and not. Not a talent thing at all. So, yeah. uh, but I, I won't speak any more about it right now. But I, that was the only thing I was like that didn't go for me personally. But it's just you know, it, it's like I said, it's not a talent thing. He's the most talented small forward in the league right now.
1: Okay, I right, should. Should I go ahead and list my top ten? Yeah, go ahead. At ten, I got Mikael Bridges. Nine, I have Andrew Wiggins. Eight, I have Chris Middleton. Seven, Brandon Ingram six, DeMar DeRozan, five, Jimmy Butler, four, Kawhi Leonard, three, LeBron James, two, Kevin Durant, one, Jason Tatum.
0: I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean um, – My one thing would be uh, – I, I, I can, will I, say – I cannot put DeMar over Brandon Ingram after what I was saying. No, no.
1: I i mean, DeMar definitely can go lower. I definitely – You said you have your bias. Way. I get it. That's the one player I had a little bit of bias on. But I will say Kawhi could be one through four. I just, I didn't feel comfortable putting him any higher than four because he's been hurt. But he could definitely be anywhere in those spots easily.
0: I, I totally get that. I, I think for Kawhi, the big thing is that he's going to get all the time necessary to have had a full rehab with zero rush yeah. whatsoever. Um, I, I also think that you that can be optimistic because ACLs at this point, in the NBA, are not as much of a deal as a huge deal mm-hmm. as it were ten years ago.
1: Yeah, and uh, Luke might have a different order, but I think Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard are your guaranteed top four. No order. I
0: hundred percent agree.
1: Like the gap, the gap no. between four and the rest are.
0: Did you have Jimmy large, at five as well?
1: I did have Jimmy at okay, five. Okay, yeah, yeah but I, I feel th- I feel like he's the lock at
0: five too. Like I feel yeah, like you yeah, have the never- top four. You could put them in certain in a certain order, but I do feel like Jimmy has to be five. Yeah, no
1: disrespect to Jimmy or those guys, but those are your four, in my opinion.
0: And and one thing I want to ask you about was um, you had Middleton at eight, right? Yes. So what kind of like, and I'm not I'm not telling you that like you're wrong. Like I just want to hear the reasoning. Like what prompted you to put those certain guys ahead of Chris Middleton?
1: I just feel like Brandon Ingram and Demar can do more as an individual i i guess i get a little bit of like teammate bias and he's kind of riding behind the which might be a little bit my fault but he does definitely get overlooked i just felt like brandon ingram was just better to be honest not really a ton of thought behind it
0: i had ingram right behind him you know who the player is that i have a problem with
1: <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I'm gonna have to keep saying there's a little bit of bias. I'm as if we're talking regular season. Demar, I'm I'm keeping Demar at six.
0: (laughs) All right, Luke, let's hear yours.
2: All right, so at ten I have OG. Uh, at nine I have RJ Barrett. Um, eight Demar Derozan. Seven Chris Middleton. Six I have Jimmy Butler. Five I have Brandon Ingram, who is going to be an absolute. Dog this year, oh, okay. uh Four, I have Kevin Durant. Three, I have Jason Tatum. Two, I have LeBron, and then one, I have the guy who's winning a championship this year, Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> uh, <yeah.
0: laughs> I hope so. <laughs>
1: so I'm, I'm not going to lie.
0: So you got it. You got to talk to us. Like I get it. You think Brandon Ingram's gonna have a monster season? There had to have been an inner debate in yourself to even consider putting him over Jimmy Butler.
2: Oh, they're absolutely I when I first made the list, I didn't have him above Jimmy Butler. I had him, I had him at six and Jimmy at five.
0: So um, so you so you're expecting Brandon Ingram crazy season. Like what what kind of season are we talking about here? Talk me through
2: it. I'm talking about like guy that's gonna come out and be like, you know, you're gonna get get a couple months into the season and you're gonna be like, wow, is this this guy playing at an MVP level? Like <laughs>
0: okay so 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 we're gonna go ahead you're calling brandon ingram an all-nba lock next year i am i am yeah okay okay yeah. I, li- I like it i like the take i like the it's take not, it's not it's really not really that crazy. ridiculous it's not crazy um, but I, it
2: was between him and jimmy because i i two weeks ago i made the list yeah and, and everything was the same except for uh brandon and jimmy i had them switched um and it wasn't until a couple of days ago that I was like, I just kind of thought about it, and I was like, No, I'm, I'm confident in what I believe, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put it on there because I, I was hesitant because obviously, you know, a couple of weeks ago in my mind, Jimmy was that lock for that five position, um, but yeah, I, I think Brennan Ingram's going to, going to really ball out this year.
0: Yeah, so I, I also want to acknowledge, as you know, that you said that. I I I almost put Kawhi at number one, but I think by default I have to put a little bit of bias aside and recognize that he is coming off a torn ACL. Even if I do think he's going to recover well, and um, but I still feel like ninety something percent of Kawhi is better than the other players. I mean, me me personally. Hey, I agree with um, that. So that's why I felt comfortable putting him at two. But uh, that's Luke. Luke always has a hot take in these lists. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, first week was Trey Young. What was shooting guards? What was your hot taking oh, shooting guards? I forgot. I, I don't know that I really Emmett had the. So really that high that high my oh, Emmett Emmett high. had the Anthony Edwards shooting. <laughs> guard. That's still that's still that's, that's the most ridiculous one we've had yet.
1: Uh, I'm not, not going to lie. I'm I, my my opinion has, has not changed. <laughs> I'm and gonna wait, wait. Wait. How is how is Anthony Edwards at one more ridiculous than Trey Young at nine?
0: Okay, maybe you got a point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> us, though, is I've had time to
2: reflect. I got a lot of text messages about the Trey Young thing. Uh I I've probably changed my mind a little bit. I was probably being a little bit too hard on him. Uh if I had to make the list right now, we'd probably move up a little bit. But so what eight? <laughs>
0: no, no. <either. laughs> okay, you could have dropped Chris
1: Paul out of the top seven.
0: Basically, yeah. what we've identified here is that uh Luke knows he was wrong. Uh Emmett's just still sticking by that that he's right, but but we all know and listeners you know that Anthony Edwards is not going to be the best shooting guard next year. And that's when, okay, when maybe is maybe the MVP Emmett, race. Maybe Emmitt. for Brandon Ingram.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> yeah uh oh man whatever okay uh (laughs) thank thank you guys for tuning in i appreciate it it's been a great episode uh love being able to hop on here and give you guys nba content each and every week uh big plans coming in the near future that we will continue to discuss with you and inform you about but we will keep it a secret for now and um with that being said this is the end of episode 24 of the coast podcast and we will see you guys next week